Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another edition of Causeway Kings here on the WMEX Sports Podcast Network, bringing you the latest and the greatest in the world of hockey, New England, and all around. We got guests from all over the world talking all the greatest things that we want to hear about. It's hockey. Hockey, hockey, and hockey. Your buddy Benny here alongside Clance. Marshall, and we have a very special guest I'm going to introduce in just a moment. But before we do that, boys, how are you tonight? Doing good, doing good. Uh, unfortunately, the bees just went down three nothing. Um, you know, so that that doesn't help the uh, the old shoulder surgery recovery process. But what are you going to do? Uh, but things are good. I'm, I'm excited for the guests we have on. I, I I consider him a local legend in my eyes. Um, but you know, he he we'll, we'll let him brag about himself in a little bit. Yeah, real excited to, to have this guest on. You know, um, he, he's doing a lot of great things in hockey. He's done a lot of great things, and he's he's just got an amazing career and what he's doing now. And um, you know, I can't wait to get into it. This is gonna be a, this is gonna be a fun episode. Without further ado, folks, with quite a resume in front of him, and now presently with the Oats Sports Group, ladies and gentlemen, John Lounsbury joins us here on the Causeway Kings. John, how are you, sir? I, I feel like I have, like, there was an entrance of someone that's far more deserving than I am, but uh, I'm excited to be here, and thanks for having me. I'm good. <laughs> Always a pleasure. You get the uh, the bell for that. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's start it right where we always do. we got to go way back in the way back time machine and uh, take us back to day one, and we'll start our journey there with you, John. Where did you first realize, oh, yeah, me and hockey, going to be a thing? <laughs> Um, it's a great question. So I, I kind of just, I was always a youth hockey guy and, uh, grew up in Winthrop, Massachusetts. So it was just, I played strictly youth hockey. I never played in a travel team until I got a little bit older. Um, I think I was probably 16 years old when I figured out, I'm like, Oh, maybe this has something, maybe something can go right somewhere. Right. And, uh, but for me, it was just, I would play all three different sports and, and hockey season was hockey season. And I just got fortunate to be I grew up around some great players. I grew up in a hockey town. I was just kind of fortunate to be in the right place in the right time uh, every now and then. So it never really hit me until uh, until I got a little bit older. That's cool. You From Winthrop, Mass, did you have um, – was like Michael Ruzioni like one of your idols? Or did you have – you know, did you have a favorite Bruins player growing up? Like, I mean, maybe it was a combination of all of it. Yeah, I mean, definitely a combination of all of it. And it's like – it's kind of – weird to say, but like, obviously OT was one of my guys. Like he was, he was great in Boston and, and watching Ray Bork play and, uh, Cam and, and all those guys were great. Uh, Mike Ruzioni has been a, a mentor of my life since I was a little kid. I've been fortunate to know them. It's small town, but he's been, uh, always been by my side, no matter what, but I got super fortunate where even though like we had dad coaches growing up, I don't want to call them dad coaches, but like we had this guy, Ed Rossi, that was one of my coaches. He was an All-American twice at Harvard, you know, and, and you know, in the seven, late 70s. And he was always my coach growing up because I played with his son. And we always got coached really well, right? So I never went without that. So you just kind of – you looked up to these older guys. And Winthrop was a town where guys – you know, there was a couple guys that played at Harvard. There's a ton of guys that played at BU al along with Mike. And it just, like, it was a hockey-rich community. So you never really were steered wrong. You didn't have to go outside of the town to find something different, you know? Now, with that being said, John, like, obviously, you know, you had a great career, like, and you were a defenseman. You know, what What was about the position D that drew you that you wanted to stay? Because obviously, you know, as a young kid, everybody wants to play for it. Everybody wants to score goals. And, 
you know, as a, when you're playing mites and squirts and it's like, coach like, all right, you're going to go back and play D. You're kind of like, oh shit, really? Like I have to, I'm not going to score goals. Like what, what was it about D that made you want to play that position? All right. Well, I hope you're sitting down for this one. So my brother, <laughs> my brother coached me a few times and he made me play defense. And then I always played forward growing up. Right. So I went, played at Winthrop, didn't have to do anything outside of that. And then I took a gap year at Bridgeton Academy and, you know, no one played junior back then. Everyone played prep. So we played, you know, we played Exeter, Eddie Karen and Kavanaugh and, and we played at Cushing with Chubbs Peterson and Ryan Lannon. Like it was, it was insane. Like a talent. And I'm a small town guy that didn't know any better. And I didn't come from an athletic family background. So like I was kind of the first to venture down this way. Right. So, um, I had a fantastic career at Bridgeton and I had a lot of great opportunities to play hockey and, and there was some USHL opportunities, which I knew nothing about. So I'm like, I'm just going to go play college hockey. So I go to Southern Maine and I go to, to the first week on campus, my, my dorm phone rings. So I pick it up and Jeff Beanie's in the Alliance, my coach. And he's like, I need you to meet you in the office. So I'm like, I'm in campus two weeks. I'm like, I'm getting cut from a division three team. Like what is happening? So like, (laughs) I'm moping, I'm moping to like the front office, to his office. And I get to the rank and I sit down and and he's like, he looks at me and he goes, do you have balls? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, coach. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I do. Like, he's like, fantastic. You're playing defense. And he'll tell the story till the day he dies. And I'm like, what? And he's like, you're going to play defense. And I'm like, coach, I just had, like, I I was like the top five score in prep last year. I was, I was like, with all the big guys, I had a ton of goals. I had a ton of assists. Like, I'm like, I, I, I'm here to create offense. And he's like, nope, you're going to play defense. And I was like, all right, whatever helps team win. And then from that moment on was like straight up playing defense and, and that's it. And then my senior year, I'll make the story quick. My senior year, I walked into his office and we were, we were six and one and we were playing Norwich this upcoming weekend. And I was like, I had zero points, zero, the first seven games. And every year I had some kind of accolade, which is very humbling, like playing against plays we played against. And, it was great. And he's like, listen, he goes, you have zero points because you're a defenseman now. And I'm like, oh, what the shit? And I'm like, not even thinking about it. You know, he's like, <laughs> and I wasn't doing it like in a bad way. I'm like, I just want to help the team. Right. I just want to be, I want to make a mark on this program and do something. And then from that point on, it just took off. And I was fortunate to be an All-American there. And and just like, it just, man, it was just life-changing for me. And I don't think I would have, if I played forward, I wouldn't have played pro hockey because I would have been another number that had, 35, 40 points in college hockey, and so did a hundred other people. But as a defenseman, I was one of a few, which allowed me the opportunity to be seen a little bit more. So, um, forever grateful for that moment. Oh, that, that, that's that's a fantastic story. And I actually had the privilege of uh, playing against you when you were at Southern Maine. You in your senior year, I was a little peasant freshman at Framingham State. You know, on the roster, but mainly you know. Hey, Clance, go get me this. Go fill up the water bottle type of guy. Uh, so I've actually had the privilege of being in the same arena as you when you were playing. Um, but, you know, just looking back at, like, your your younger days, like, who who were the biggest influences in your life to keep playing hockey, you know, out, outside of professional athletes, like a, a dad, an uncle, or, you know, something like that. Like, who was it that just kind of made you, you know, keep doing what you were doing? You know what? Like my brother was, he's 11 years older than I am. And he was obviously a big influence. He was a big hockey guy. Um, but I had um, like my, my childhood best friend was like, was exceptional at the game. And he, he was always the one that 
uh, his name is Gino DeAngelis and his career is cut, cut short due to a, a tumor, but he, um, his like, he was always so good. Right. And he was like so much better than, than a lot of us. And I, that was my, like, he was the one that drove me every day to be like, I wanted to be like Gino. Right. So it was like, and it wasn't a, it was just that, like, he was great and he was a great kid. And I just kind of saw him playing on all these different teams. And I never chased that. I never played outside of town, but I just like, he drove me to, to be better. I was chase. I was always chasing him. Right. And no, I, I would probably say the same for Rick DiPietro, like, but he was a goaltender. Right. So it was, I was always chasing Gino, right? And like, I wanted to be as good as he was. And, you know, so it was just kind of, that was my, you know, he's the best man of my wedding. And it, it's just like, that's the relationship we had, you know? No, that, that's, that's great. And, you know, obviously there's like that friendly competition too, you know, you going against your buddies and I, I did it my whole life playing with my buddies and stuff like that. And, you know, push each other and things like that. And that, that's great. And, you know, obviously you, you played at Winthrop High, you know, I'm assuming you had a great career there as well. Yeah, it was fun. But like, I didn't know. And I think what's so different now is that my, my dad wasn't, you know, my dad wasn't an athlete. My mom wasn't an athlete and they never told me no. Like they never said like, no, you can't go play here. I just didn't have any guidance. Right. Mm -hmm. So I grew up and I would play street hockey every day and I play soccer and I play baseball and I, that's it. When the season was a season, that was it. So I didn't have, I never went to a hockey camp my entire life. Actually, I can't. I went to Dale Dunbar's Pro Star Camp in Winthrop one year with my buddies. We must have been nine, ten, right? And but like other than that, I've never been to a hockey camp. I've never done anything that's like kind of outside of the the normal. Growing up in a small town, just playing and being happy with it, and that's it. So, like, and again, I wouldn't go back and change anything. It wouldn't be any differently. I just mm -hmm. that was that was it. Like, no one was there to like. Now it's like there's so much information on the internet, and you can see who's good and who's not. And like we. We didn't have that. We knew like, wow, this kid's really good. How do you know that? Yeah. Well, you can see him on the ice. He's sick. Right? So that, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how you, you can, do it. You can go right over the Hingham Arena and watch him. Yeah. You know, because we're, we're, you know, we're roughly the same age. You're 39. I'm 38. Um, yep. Both June birthdays. It's the way to be right there. Both French Bulldog lovers, even better. Um, you know, and I, I played at Weymouth High. I played four years there. And like, you know, kind of the same boat. I didn't know a lot about like juniors or, or prep school or anything like that. I mean, I had, I did a, a PG year at Kent Hill. Yep. And I, the only thing I knew about it was in the summer after, you know, going into my senior year, my, one of my buddies was already there and I was like, all right, good for him. And he's like, Hey, do you want to play in a showcase tournament with me this, this summer? I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. And next, yep. you know, like the Kent Hill coach comes down and he's like, Hey, we want you to come. And I'm like, what, what's Kent Hill? First of all, <laughs> where, where, where is Kent Hill? <laughs> what and where are you talking about? You know, but like, like you said, John, like it's back then, like we didn't, you didn't have the internet like you do now. You don't have the resources that you do now. It was just like, you know, you went out and played and had fun and loved it. And, you know, it, that's just kind of how it was back then, I would say. Yeah, no, you got to like, and it wasn't a, and it was never political. It was just connections. Like you had to know people. So I remember going to, I started touring the prep schools and I went to, to Cushing Academy and met with Steve Jacobs and Ryan Landon actually took me on my tour. And Ryan was like, <laughs> I'm a midget, right? So Ryan's like a monster taking me around. Like, who's this guy taking me around campus? Anyways, I met with Steve Jacobs and Steve and I, Steve's been a big mentor in my coaching career. And uh, he just is like, well, I love you. You'd be great here. You're just going to, I don't take PGs. You're going to have to do two years. And I'm like, two years? Like, yeah, you're going to repeat your senior year and then you can PG. I'm like, no, I'm going to be like 30 when I graduate, right? So I was, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I graduated. I turned 18 after I graduated. So anyways, it was like, but then I played in the tournament and, and uh, Jamie Prince, who was a coach at Bridgeton, found me. And we actually had like a 
really, really good team at Bridgeton that year. And it was a second year building the team and it was a ton of fun. And again, it was just something it, it allowed me to continue to play and it gave me the college opportunities it did because coming out of Winthrop, it's not like, like I remember talking to like the state schools and Fitchburg and all that stuff and being like, yeah, this is fantastic, but I don't know what else is out there. Like, is there more? Mm-hmm. And then went, I think I toured every school around when I was playing prep, which was fun. Yeah. So, well, that, that was going to be kind of my question. I mean, obviously you had a, you had a great career at Bridgeton, um, you know, and then you, 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 you head over to Southern Maine. What was it about Southern Maine that, you know, said, you know, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to continue my hockey career. Or were there, and what were the other options that you were kind of going back and forth between with Southern Maine? And there, there were, there were a lot of options and I went on a lot of great visits. There were nationally ranked teams in the mix. There were, you know, there were so many different schools. Um, and I, I it, honestly, it was Jeff Beanie was a big part of it. They had a $10 million rink on campus. Like their facility is unbelievable. Yep. And, um, and they stunk. And, and for me, it wasn't like Jeff sold me on. We had a really, really good recruiting class. We had some like Eric Kent was at Lawrence Academy, uh, James LeBlanc, a, fr- a French kid from Montreal. And, and our group of guys at, at, at USM, we all still talk to each other, which is really nice. And, but we had such a good recruiting class and Jeff sold me on like you have the opportunity to help change a program. And, you know, we went in, we, my freshman year, I think we won eight games and, and it wasn't fun. Like it was fun. Right. But it wasn't, you know, a very competitive person still am. And it was like, how do I be a part of something bigger and how do we make it that? So my friends and I became like, all right, Jeff, when you have a recruit on campus, like, let us take them out. Like we want to sell that next group of guys that are going to come in. And I mean, we had rankings my senior year. So we grew like my second year, we went from winning eight games or seven or eight games, my freshman year to like 15, my second year. And and it kept going up, but it was just like, it was the players. It was the culture of the players and we all loved each other and had fun, but it was just like being a part of building something at that time was way more important than anything else to me. And it was far enough away from home being a little Winthrop kid. Like I was, you know, I love Maine. I had family up there. So it was just like perfect world for me. I love Maine too, man. It's, it yeah. is. I love it up there. I tell my wife all the time, it, I, I'd move to Maine if, if you'd let me. Yeah. No <laughs> and doubt. then at the same time, she's like, see you later. See you. <laughs> see you never. Depends on the day. Um, yeah. take, take the dog. See you later. <laughs> yeah. Funny, there's no so, bread tree in Maine. That's a good point, it's, though, John. Like winning begets winning and like, it's something that like you can look back on and be like proud of that, you know, you, you helped build that you started a tradition and um, you know, when you see a, a team start having success, you know, obviously if, if you bring in recruits, they want to be a part of it. And, and I, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. And that's a, that's a lesson that people can take, you know, kids can take about, you know, when they're trying to make a choice on where to go. And, you know, that's something that, is in addition to making the memories with your teammates saying that, Hey, you know, I have, I have a part of that history. Like that's, I'm a part of that, yeah. you know, forever. So that's great. You know what? It's, it's, I think you look at like the culture of youth sports and the culture of club sports and all that stuff is like, we're being, being realistic with yourself and where you want to see yourself be and all that stuff. And, and who didn't want to play at the highest level you can possibly play at. But I, I can honestly say that if I, if I went and played division one hockey, I wouldn't have played for two seasons, right? I would have been on a, on a roster sitting there, like trying to crack a forward lineup and, and do all this stuff where I had the opportunity. I went to Southern Maine and I got better every single day. 
because I was like competitive and I was in the lineup and I was, and it was just all of it where I wouldn't have got that anywhere else. And I, I anywhere in division three, I would have gotten that, but the division one opportunities would have been, yeah, come on in, earn your keep. You know, I'm, I'm not a shot block and kind of I've never blocked a shot in my life. Right. So it's like, give, like, give me the opportunity to like <laughs> compete and thrive and all that stuff. But so even if I played, let's call it 50 games at the division one level, I would have been in the same spot at the next level after that. Right. I'm not a, I'm a five, nine defenseman. Right. So when I, let's just say like when I was playing in the minor leagues, Boston had Chara, Gill, Jersina, uh, uh, Palmara, like you, you know, zero chance. And I never thought I was going to play in the NHL never once in my life, but like, that was the, and you go to, you go to the American league and everyone's six, three. So that was the era that we grew up in. You had to be tough. You had to be big. You had to be, you know, so you just kind of fit, fit your mold and go where you want to be. But like looking at yourself now as, as a young player going, okay, what's my ceiling? 1% of players play college hockey, period, period. So it's like everyone aspires to be the high. Yes. You should aspire to be a division one athlete, but when's the realization come? We're like, okay, if I want a chance to play professional hockey now, where's my next best Avenue. Right. And, and is it, you look at all these schools that are powerhouses now, but it's like, all right, do I go play for people Isle at UMass and, and go play in the East coast hockey league after that? Cause you know, I might be better off something like that. And then even when we get to the next level, it's like playing in the SB, playing in the central league, all that stuff. Like you see guys coming down and my first year you worry like, Oh, this guy played at Denver. Like I'm going to get bumped and they come in and they're just, they can't think the game. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's now it really weeds. Like once you get to that level, it doesn't matter where you play anymore. Right. It matters for your initial contract. But other than that, like kids can play, can play. Look at, there's a local kid that he and I become really close with. We skate. His name's Logan Day. Oh, yeah. And I know Logan, Dazer. Yeah, Dazer. Mm -hmm. But Dazer didn't get a chance at, at Providence. Didn't get a chance at Northeastern. Signed an NHL contract three years ago. Like, and he's playing the American League. And he's doing great for himself. And he's scoring points and played at Endicott. Yeah. So once you get to that, it doesn't matter anymore. Once you get to that level, it's just if you're good, you're he good. Went to, he, went, he went to Kent Hill, too. He was. Humble, yeah, Kent Hill guy. Humble brag. <laughs> yeah, no, he was getting, they were loaded that year. Larry Cockrell did a great job that year. Oh, Larry's awesome, man. He, he's a great guy. And his son, Jared's a hell of a player too. Yeah. You know, but like, it, you know, just to go back to like the whole division one, division three thing, like, you know, there are kids out there that have, and you know, John, in your experience, like that have division one capabilities, yep. but it's like, do you want to go be a fourth or fifth line or practice player at a division one school? And yeah, you get the benefits of the free gear and the free, all that stuff. Or do you want to go to a top division three program where you can make a difference? You know, and I think you see a lot of kids doing that now. And even kids who are, you know, could be currently at a division one program after year one, realize, you know what, like, I don't want to, I, I just want to play and have fun. And they transfer to a division three school. You know, for example, um, Timu Solani's son, who was yeah. at Northeastern, he, you know, I think he kind of realized, you know, like, I'm just, I'm in and out of lineup. I'm not playing I just want to go play and have fun. And he, you know, went to Curry. He was the first or second liner there. And, you know, and you see nowadays a lot of kids at these top division three programs like a, in Oswego or in Norwich or UMass Boston that go on and play multiple years in the East coast league, the Southern pro league, some in the AHL, like it, right. it's like, I think at the same time, like it doesn't really matter. You know, right. like you said, no, it doesn't. The, le the level of hockey's there. Right. So it's like the only time, like, 
I think if I, if I had to go in like rewind, the only time I would take a, a walk-on opportunity is that if I'm going to Cornell or Harvard or Dartmouth, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's cause that, then I'm there for the education. Right. So I'm like, yeah. yes, no doubt. And then the alumni association you get for a connection for a job after is just right. like, no, yeah, other, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's a different you know. pipeline. <laughs> no, way different. Right. But it's like, that's what you got to figure out what you want to do with your life. And, and for me, I never, even when I, and I can tell you this, even when I went to USM as a freshman, pro hockey was never once on my mind you know and i was i will tell you the first time i thought about playing professional hockey is that i, I was in a i was walking through the arena and um my buddy ricky masucci called me i think my just had a cell phone and ricky was at the frozen four uh banquet because trinity was was uh was in the frozen four that year and he's a Winthrop kid and he played and he said hey i just want to tell you congratulations like they just announced you all american and i was like holy shit like and my coach didn't tell me that. And I was kind of like floored by it. And that was the moment right there. That phone call was like, well, maybe I can, like, maybe, like, maybe I can do this. Right. So I got on like my, you know, my 400 pound computer and I turned my tower on. I like I just started, I just started sending emails. I emailed every coach and like, and I was very realistic about it. I didn't email one East coast hockey league coach. I didn't email one American league coach. I, I emailed three or four teams in the SB. I emailed, five or six teams in the central league and Al Sims responded. They, a bunch responded to me, Al Sims in Texas responded to me, got my phone number, gave me a call and said, Hey, I want to invite you down. And that was the first contract I signed. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a wild story. I mean, you know, nowadays, you know, guys are even at division three schools are trying to get involved with some type of agent or whatever to help them get to the next level. And you just kind of did it on your own. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's, did now when you were doing that, did they ever come see you play at Southern Maine or was it just kind of like, Hey, we're going to invite you down for skate or tryout and take it from there. No, they just signed, they, they just signed me. And it was like, but I think obviously that's like, you get some people need agents and all that stuff. But I think statistically my numbers spoke for themselves. Like I, I just kind of, I just said, Hey, like here, I'm John Lonsbury. Like uh, here I'm, Here's where I'm from. I had no idea. I was literally sending an email to a professional hockey coach just going like, yeah, like I play defense, but I can also play forward. And here's the, my hockey DB page. And <laughs> like, I, I had some career accolades, like, here you go. And it was very short and sweet. And he was like, yeah, no doubt. Like, come on down. And that was kind of, and that was kind of it. Like, and you just don't, you know, that was, but I, I again, it's, it's, what you make of it and i don't know like i never thought it, it would happen yeah you were you know, your own agent you were yeah you know your own recruiter if you will he was the ovechkin of the southern pro league signing negotiating his own contracts and <laughs> i did i negotiated my my uh when i was in, in huntsville my third year i negotiated my contract on a bar napkin at a place <laughs> called third base I'm like, <laughs> it's a true story that's unbelievable. Might have you know, been at 1 a.m., but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> you know, and looking at the you know the transition from you know Southern Maine to to Huntsville in the Southern Pro League, you know you you 56 games, you had 22 points. Like that's that, that's pretty points. impressive for your first year. You know yeah. what was that transition like? What did you find most difficult from going from college hockey to the Southern Pro League, or you know with your skill set and your ability, did you just find it is as, as easy as the game was easier. No, the game was easier. And um, the only thing that was a huge transition for me is that like 
like in Massachusetts, as you guys know, like we're a bunch of hacks, right? So like mm -hmm. I was a swashbuckler, so I would swing my stick at anyone that came within five feet of me, right? So, but I realized that like the lower level minor leagues that you played in, like it was tough, right? And it was like, you had it, like it was, there were some tough dudes and mm -hmm. you had to like, so I would go out my first couple games. I scored my first goal in overtime actually. So it was pretty cool. And then like, I used to lug, I played a physical game. So I used to like trying to like, like open up, like lay guys out. And my first couple of games, I did that. And it was like, I got jumped by like two different guys and I'm like, Oh, then one of my guys came up. He's like, listen, kid, he's like, you don't have to like, you just let your play your game. Like you can't run around like this for 70 games for one, two, someone's going to murder you three. Like you just have to figure it out. Right. So, and I just kind of like, worried less about making an impression and just play the game. And the game was easy because like, you just kind of, you just, you learn how to be a pro and you learn how to play and you just, you know, it wasn't as hard until, and it would pick back up at playoffs and like guys that didn't hit you all year were coming for your head. Right. So it was like, a, I found the game easier because if you didn't think the game at that point, you know, it, it didn't, didn't last. And there were guys like, even, even at that level, like there was guys that played, in the NHL and there was guys that played in the American league. It was just when you find that level of comfort, you just stay there and you play and you enjoy yourself. And there's, there's a shelf life for all of us. Right. So where do you want to, do you want to be a, a guy that's got, you know, 10 games in the American league on your elite prospects through 400, 400 teams, or do you want to find yourself like, I just never worried about the next level. I just worried about what was happening then. So I was able to play and collect points. And when the next year came, that's it. I worried about the next year, you know? I was going to say, like, I've seen, um, I've seen some footage though of the Southern pro league there. I mean, there's some wild, wild shit that happens in that league. Um, you know, I mean, just looking at it, I mean, that would, I mean, you hear when you talk to guys who go from like playing college to like, was the, was the fighting something or the physicality, was that something that, you know, like you said, you had to be after a while you, you were mindful of or everyone just kind of settled in their role. In fact, that you like, you know, everybody kind of skated their lane, if you will, when it came to like weight classes and stuff like that. No, I think like the heavyweights, right? Just in, same in the Central League, like the heavyweights were the heavyweights and they didn't really bug you, you know, and, and you kind of had to pick your spots, like, you know, just figure out what who are you going to go with sniff it out right and, and who's not and who's going to be fearful we in huntsville and there's something about like and, and there's guy there's a guy from tyler piacetini's down there oh and, yeah uh, Wayne Wayne and yeah, he's resigned going back next year but like it's a city that you don't want to leave right because it's an unbelievable city you get 7500 fans a night every single night and it's just like that's why you stay and go but our team was always tough Right. And when you play on a tough team, you get away with a lot more because no one's going to touch you, especially if you're producing. Right. So like, yeah, you got a little bit more confident and you ran your mouth a little bit more. And then, you know, every now and then you'd get your teeth kicked in. But, uh, you know, you just kind of learn to just again, you, I never really stayed in my lane. That wasn't my thing. I kind of always pushed the envelope, but I knew I wasn't going to get beat up too bad because we had a pretty tough team. And I'm thankful for the guys that were around me to be able well, to do that. Yeah, I mean, holy fuck. I'm looking at your first year. Luke Phillips, 48 games played, 396 penalty minutes. Yeah, no, he was uh, he was, he was an extravaganza. Like, the only, was the only time he ever touched the ice was when he fought just to go to the box after? 
I mean, yeah, you know what? Sometimes right. we play two, three times in a game, and and that's like Mike DeGurse was one of them. Mike Mike was one of here's like Mike DeGurse is a guy that had, you know, 50, 60 points a year and three hundred pims, and and Jesus it's just Christ. Yeah, but, I mean, you got Bill Monkman had one hundred and forty four pims. Jason Bill, did so Bill Monkman, Here's the thing, Bill Monkman from Guelph. He's a pickle farmer in Guelph, right? <laughs> like I'm telling you, you, you can't make up. Bill Monkman was the last of the stick fight men. So like, if you went within seven feet of him, he would switch, like you would get into like a, a slap shot stick fight and he would try to like poke your eye out. Not, not kidding. Dr. Hooked him with Kraken in the real That was, that was unbelievable. <laughs> a pickle wow. farmer? What the hell? He's a pickle farmer in Guelph. Yeah. Um, like a literal yeah. legit pickle farmer? Pretty sure. Yeah. 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 Pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you get a pickle on your burger, you're going to think of that guy. <laughs> I always think of him. doesn't matter. I see a hockey stick, I think of him. Um, <laughs> look, looking at the rosters, there's one kid on there that that stands out um, who I, I know personally. I grew up with him from learn to skate to youth hockey. Mikey O'Sullivan, the the, the little little firecracker string, string bean himself. What was it like playing with him? And you got any stories that that you can you can throw out there about little Mikey? I can bury Mikey right now. No, I love him. Uh, <laughs> I love him. Mikey, Mikey's a kid that uh, very similar path to mine. He was, uh, you know, 50 points a year in college hockey at Curry. Um, but man, did he have talent and he, he could play and, and, you know, it's, it's very hard to say because of what we do. Like he was so good with the puck that he never got hit. Right. Cause he was always in control. He always knew where guys were getting around and, and, um, so there is a guy, I'll tell you a quick, funny story. So we laugh, like I use it in my job all the time. There's Tom Wilson, right? So, so Tom Wilson plays, we all know who Tom Wilson is, right? So we had a Tom Wilson that played in Columbus and he was probably the toughest guy. Like you just scary looking at him. Right. And little Mikey O'Sullivan, he goes in the corner with little Mikey and little Mikey throws the reverse check and he knocks Tom Wilson out. Right. Tom Wilson, like the scariest guy in our leagues, like laying on the ground. So he, Mikey comes back to the bench and he's like giggling. And all of a sudden, like Tom Wilson, that kind of comes to, and Mikey's on the bench and someone calls Tom Wilson a a word and Tom Wilson skates and like Jimmy Superfly Snook is into the bench and starts fighting everybody like (laughs) just (laughs) on top of Sally. And he's like, Sally weighs 138 pounds. And it was like the wildest like one of the wildest melees we've been a part of, but the guy was completely nuts. And he was a good hockey player too, but like he wanted to kill Sally and like end his life. That that's yeah. listen, Sully Jesus. Sully may be small, he may be 138 pounds or soaking up his gear on, but he's from Dorchester, so he know he knows how to fight. I can yeah. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, great great kid, comes from a great family. Um actually recently him and a couple of other kids that we played with growing up just got inducted into the uh, Curry College Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, they had a great year. They, they had Sean Perro, one of my best friends, Ryan Murphy, was, uh, oh, was yeah. on that team from Winthrop, and uh, Chad, Tony King. Chad Ferreira was good, and they Billy McCreary was there. They had a good group. Yep. They, and uh, Billy Billy went on to play in the Southern Pro League for a while, right? Yeah, right. Billy and I were roommates for years down in Huntsville, so he was down with us, and then uh, Billy played at Providence before he went to Curry. Uh, he played in the Central League a little bit. Billy's coaching in the North American Hockey League now for Danbury. Um, yep. Dude, he's doing great things stuff. with that program. Great things. You know, Billy, best, but Billy's dad. So Billy's like his uncle was big Bill McCreary, who was the referee in the NHL. And his dad 
His dad knocked out Wayne Gretzky. You guys should look that clip up on YouTube. Yeah, no. so like, yeah, yeah, big Bill McCree. You got to YouTube it. And uh, and he was playing for the for Toronto. He got called up for Toronto. I think his dad went to Cornell, left, signed with the Maple Leafs, and got called up. And, and Gretzky came down the middle with his, his head down and and night night Jim Kite. Um, There's one way to make a name in the league. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. That's unbelievable. Totally. I mean, obviously, John, you know, you had you had a great, you know, college career, um, pro career. You know, what what was it that kind of realized, like, you know what, like hockey's kind of coming to an end. I got to stop thinking about the next next chapter of my life. Um, I started like I do be honest, like I started hating the game and I just. You know, I got in a bad like we got in these we get in these bad headspace after a while and I just wasn't. I don't know. I was just in a bad spot and I didn't like the game anymore. So I, I had an opportunity to take a job at. Um, so, th- so I got actually my, my last year, it kind of ended. And then I took a job as a teacher at Winthrop high school as a permanent sub, because one of my former teachers were sick. So I, I taught a little bit and I'm like, maybe it's education is what I want to do. And then um, I went to Bridgeton Academy as a, as a teacher, sorry, not as a teacher, as an admissions counselor and a head hockey coach. Um, was the first job I got and it kind of brought the love of the game back for me and, and was able to give back and teach. And we were able to build some really successful teams there. And I, I was at Bridgeton as an administrator and, and, a dean of students for a bit and a coach made some great friends. I'm an alum there. It was just a really, really proud time in my life. And, uh, I got a chance to, um, my mom was, was sick with cancer, um, who's since passed on and, and I came back to Walpole, I had the opportunity. Mark Kumpel was retiring from coaching and Mark gave me the opportunity to come in and interview down at Walpole and take the job there in the now Eastern hockey league. So I worked for, for, uh, for the express for, uh, another four or five years and had a great opportunity to, to develop my craft and, and what I wanted to do as a player personnel, whatever you want to call it. And, um, we had some great teams. We we've had, I still keep in contact with probably more than 70% of the players that played for me. And a lot of guys went on to do some great things that are still playing. And, and, uh, from there I, I got into player development and was able to, to work with Florida for a little bit. And, um, from that path, I, I went to Holy cross was a volunteer assistant for two years under David Berard. Just, I wanted to like player development was my path at that point. I kind of realized that. And, uh, I wanted to stay involved with the coaching piece in case the job ever opened up again. And, and, uh, David gave me that opportunity. And then, uh, I, Adam Oates came along and then it just, the rest is just history. Wow. What a, what a path. And John, if you could, uh, talk about your time with Florida and what was going on in the organization when you happened to be there. Yeah, it was, um, Tom Rowe was, was, uh, was interim GM at the time. And, and we met at, um, at the Ritz in Boston, believe it or not. And, and we connected and he invited me for an opportunity. And, and, uh, my, my, basically before I got a contract, it was, I, I went down a development camp and I helped run my portion of the camp. And, uh, I got down there. My flight was delayed. I showed up, they picked me up at the airport. They rushed me in. And I was, I had like four minutes to think and like get my stuff on and get on the ice and, and run my first session. And it was a pretty, really cool experience and my first really taste of it. And, uh, you know, it was that first moment when you go there and 
it was like you go in the coach's room and your stall's hung up and it's got your name and it's got you know the 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 Panthers tracksuits hanging up and your names on the stall and all that. And it was just like my first like hey, I made it moment for me, you know. And it wasn't even a make it, but it was like, yo, everyone's got the dream of like the, the NHL's got such a nostalgia, right? And such a tag that you're like, oh, that's it. And um did a great job of development camp, I guess, and and they gave me an opportunity to work with the team and um did some work with the American league team. And, and that was like, you're not used a lot. Right. And that time it was just like, you got a position and I just was on call and you, you travel a lot. And they, it's just, it was a great experience, great opportunity, but I, I, it, it just really helped build my resume, you know, and just kind of what I was doing. And I became, I skated with more and more guys in the Boston area because of it. And it just kept building what I was doing and, it was, uh, I'm super thankful and grateful for the experience. Right. And a lot of us, are, I think there's only a couple guys that are still working in the organization from when I was there and they're doing a great job, obviously. And, and, um, it's, I'm super thankful for that opportunity. So, so then you, you are at, you know, you're working with the Florida Panthers in, you know, obviously you said it was building your resume. Did that end up, you know, how it parlayed in a, you know, getting on Adam Oates' radar. So talk about how that kind of naturally progressed. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really a progression. We all got fired in Florida. Um, <laughs> they, they hired to get, no, you hired to get fired. That's, listen, it wasn't like yeah. a, it wasn't a full-time job for me. It wasn't like, a, it was just a, an unbelievable opportunity. And again, awesome. And then uh, I was running a skill session somewhere with, with uh, some of the local pro guys and, someone came up to me and said, Hey, you know, I know, you know, a, a friend of Adam Oates and I think you do a good job. Do you want to meet him? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, and, um, Oates, does a lot of work. We're everywhere. Right. So we're, he has a little rink in New York that we go to a lot. And, uh, we met, we sat down, we talked a little bit, very intimidating guy at first, you know, he's, he's kind of interviewing at the same time. Right. And then he brings me he calls me up. He's like, I want, I want you to come to New York bring your stuff. All right. Game on. So I get there and we sit down and I'm in the locker room and he's like, we're going to go skate. And I'm like, all right. So I'm in the locker room getting dressed and I'm just in my tracksuit. I'm like waiting for other guys to show up. Right. I'm like, I wonder who we're skating with. Right. Like that's all I can think about is like, he's not saying much and we're just talking. And he, I'm like whole time, like which guy is going to walk through that door that we're going to work with. Right. And he's like, all right, you ready? And I was like, what, excuse me, what? <laughs> he's like, He's like, you ready? And I'm like, uh, yeah, like, sure, let's go. And uh, we go on the ice and he puts me through an hour and a half workout. And I was like, I like drenched through everything and and we went through it. And it was like the sniff test for him at first. Like, could I actually do it? Right. And he's like, and, and it's and the retrospect of it is like, listen, and he says it to this day. And he's like, it's if you go on the ice with and I'll just say if you go on the ice with Patrick Kane, right. Mm -hmm. and you're explaining something and you're telling him to do something and you physically can't do it you're a fraud wow and i'm, yeah, and I'm like and i'm like well you're you're right and he's like because mm -hmm. a lot of people he goes there's good people in sports that can go you're doing that wrong or they can say like hey you messed that up okay how do you fix it and how can you show them that you can fix it because there's things out there that I can do that someone else can't. Right. So like, that's kind of the, the mantra of it. Cause when we're teaching these guys, there's gotta be, there's a sniff test. You go on the ice with an NHL guy, doesn't matter who they are. Like 
a, a guy that makes a thousand bucks a year and a guy that makes 10 million, there's a, they look you up and down, right? And they feel you out in the first five minutes you're out there, right? And that's kind of the, that's what it is. And then you, then you gain, like you crack into it and you gain the trust and respect. And I think being out there with Adam a lot, you get that, but he, um, we hit it off. I, I guess I passed the test on the ice for the first little bit. And then we continued to talk and, you know, we met up a few more times and I got out there with, with him and some of his clients and went through some stuff. And then it was just kind of, it, it was just a match. Right. And, um, you know, again, talk about being fortunate and now it's, it's been a couple of years with them and we get to work with some of the best players in the world. And it's wild just seeing the progression and some of the guys and how well they do, you know? Oh, absolutely. And you know, like you said, you, you're stepping on the ice with these, you know, these pro players that, you know, and they're looking you up and down because you're there to help them make them better because, you know, they're looking at you like, Hey, this is my job, right? You know, you need to help me get better at my job. And if you can't do what I need to do, then like, you're not, like you said, you're a fraud, yeah. you know? Um, but I, I just want to take a step back real quick. You know, I obviously want to take a deeper dive into to the, um, your job with Adam Oates. But I want to learn a little bit more about the the gel sticks, the um, yeah. the weighted yeah. hockey sticks, golf clubs, and yeah. cross sticks. I've actually I, I've never used one, but I've seen them in the pro shop at the New England Sports Center in Marlboro. Yep. They're, I mean, I know I think Cam Atkinson uses them. Like, they're great things. Can you just talk like a little bit about that and how you got into that? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go brief with that. So it's kind of like a pit stop. And so my buddy Josh Miller, who played for the Patriots, he was a punter, uh, won a Super Bowl, had. He was always a guy of ideas and um, he came up with this idea of like weighted training aids. Right. And he found a guy in Pittsburgh that has a patent on this polymer gel that we're able to put in sporting equipment. Right. So he starts off with, he brings a hockey stick to Mike Ruzioni and Mike Ruzioni gets it. And he's like, I need to bring John Lonsbury in because he's, he's the guy that would want to see this. Right. And I touched it and my first reaction was like, Oh, it's pretty cool. And then I got to play with it a little bit more. And I was like, Holy shit, it works. Like the old days of doing wrist curls and all that stuff. And, and we kind of built a business around it and we brought Cam Atkinson's in on it. And Steve Goskowski's uh, one of my close friends. So he came in on it and we built this brand of, of gel sticks. And we've got, we've got 50 some odd division one, division three teams training with it. The U S national program uses it. We got about 40% of the NHL players using it. And now we're getting big in golf and lacrosse and all that stuff. And it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it, it's helping you create more, you know, obviously a little bit more strength and a little bit more function with the stick, but like every stick you buy is a technology. So a kid goes out and buys a $300 hockey stick. If you don't know how to use it, it doesn't matter. Right. So if you don't know what the difference is between a low kick point, a mid kick point, all that stuff, but what our stick does, it helps, train those those quick twitch muscles and fibers so like it helps get the most out of those products right so we're actually at the end of the day we're helping the other the other lines get a little bit better right and it changed your velocity and it's just been a fun fun venture to be a part of and we're continuing to build and move on and and we've hired a ceo so i've taken less of a role actively in the company like i'm still involved every day but i'm not doing as much as i was originally you know so but it's uh it's been fun, man. It's been, and lacrosse is big. We just signed a guy, Ryan Tierney, who's, uh, uh, just, he's an all world lacrosse player and, and just, 
you know, he's on the U.S. Olympic team and the, the fields next after USA fields named after his dad. He was coach at Hopkins. Like we've, we've you know, DeChambeau is using our club. Like it's just a lot of cool things that are happening. So. No, that's great. Cause I actually just said to the guys before you hopped on earlier, I was like, I could actually get into one of the golf ones, you know? Let's go. I mean, I'll get a, all you guys will get one. I was going to say, I mean, yeah, we'd love awesome. to try him. I'm, I'm yeah. a big, I'm a big golfer now that, you know, my, my hockey career has come to an end with, I uh, just had my shoulder done um, be a month on Thursday and doctor pretty much said like, Hey, you know, it's not worth it anymore. The arm is, it is what it is. Like, right. I was like, listen, I only went because I like to drink the beers and lock them after the guys. But <laughs> you can you know, still be the beer guy, Clance. It's okay. Exactly. So, so the funny thing is, is uh, I'm an avid golfer. I love to golf. Um, you know, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, with my wife and I are expecting our third child come August, and my wife knows I love to golf. So, like before the surgery, she was like, "You have the green light to golf as much as you want before August." I'm like, "This right. is this is fucking awesome." Let's go. And, yeah. and then I. Then I have the surgery and then they end up, you know, of course, you know, you have a surgery. It never goes as planned. Right. They always end up having to do more than they expect. So now I'm being told like no golf till at least, you know, September, October. Right. But my wife was like, so of course I'm like, fuck, like, this, there goes my summer. She goes, but you know, you can always be the guy that drives the car and drinks the beers. You are. And you I'm are. like, you I'm are. like, you know what, honey? This this is why I married you. You yeah, are, I was gonna you, say you, you got to keep her right there. The, you think outside the box because either way, it. like if I if I don't go do it, she's either gonna hate me and leave me, yeah, or love me even more because I'm gonna be out of the house. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so fair enough. I will definitely be looking at, into uh, investing in one of these. The I actually might just do the weighted training driver. Now, can no, you get them in lefties too? Yep, yep. So what it basically everyone's you, and I'll get you one. Everyone sees those orange whips, right? Yeah, with the orange oh, ball yeah. on it, oh, yeah. speed training. So we did this. It, that's basically what we are, except we have a driver head on it, right? So you can hit balls at the range. So you're physically like you're not losing mechanics, or you're hitting the ball, and now you're going back to your club and you're seeing the swing speed change, which is ball speed and that's, which is distance and the whole analytics behind it. It's pretty crazy. It, it's amazing how you know just a simple idea turns into something like this. Yeah, you know, it starts off as the hockey stick, and next thing you know, it's lacrosse, now golf, and Hell, next thing you know, it could be a tennis racket. Yeah, we have, we have the property to every sports tube. Really? Oh, that's pretty impressive. That's, that's, that's so cool. Like, the innovation, just, uh, you know, you take an idea, and now, like, obviously, it's also making a difference in your line of work. Yeah. You, you know. We used to laugh. We used to count. It was everyone's like, everyone, because you have a little success, and everyone's like, well, it's stupid. Idea's stupid. Doesn't work. Well, whatever. Like, it's fine. People are going to love it. People are going to hate it. But like the same person that's saying it's stupid, like myself, would tape 700 hockey pucks on your old stick and try to shoot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So it's like, oh, like we all listen. It's if you can get a competitive edge, it's some facet of your game. Do it. Do it. And especially I have daughters. Right. So in the women's game, everyone skates really well. And the, dif the difference between the really high caliber players, those girls can fire a puck. Right. So it's like, that's a huge difference. You see, like they can all skate pretty, pretty well, pretty equally the same, but those high level girls can fire a puck. So like for my kid, it's like my daughter can shoot puck. And, and honestly, it's because of the product. Like I don't do anything with her. I'm like, Hey, go down and shoot with us. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know? So now, fun does, to it see come, it. does it mm -hmm. come in like adult shafts, juniors, or is it just yeah. all one? And, 
is it able to be like cut down to size or yeah you can cut them and all that stuff we have a junior we have a youth stick a junior stick an intermediate stick senior all of just like every line you go if you went into pure hockey it's the same line as everything else you can get one of whatever size you want that's amazing that really yeah, is like, cool i my every night like when we go to bed I, we always watch shark tank and i always say to myself like Fuck, why did I think of that idea? I'm like, we could be so rich right now. <laughs> My next one's adult bunk bed, so look out for that one. Even better. Hey-o. Even better. So I actually had I had one like dream. I was like, I said to my wife, I'm like, you know what would be awesome? Because like I have a sweet tooth, like this no like I could eat two or three dairy queen blizzards in one night. It's just absurd. Oh and I, I always say to my wife, I'm like, I could go for blizzard. I'm like, but I, I just don't want to go get it. I go what if I started like an ice cream delivery business? And she's like, that's like the dumbest idea ever. I'm like, are you fucking serious? And next, you know, like places are doing it. I'm like, this could have been us. We we could be sitting down at Cape house every summer making bank. And, but no, you wanted to crush. So every time we see, I go, there it is. There's my dream. You crushed. We could have been (laughs) making bank and just having blizzards left and right. But no, no, no. (laughs) <laughs> it's absurd Amazing. i love it um no so i, I you know i just want to circle back around about the, the old sports group obviously you guys you know the clients that you guys deal with you know just looking at the website you have you know andrew cop rasmus dalene matt shane eichel kucherov mcdavid now when the like how does these do these players reach out to you to say hey i want to set up a session or are you like you know, assigned to play like, Hey, John, you're, you're going to, you know, spend a month with Darnell nurse and work with him or Ryan O'Reilly. How does it, the whole process work? Yeah. Um, guys want to skate, we skate with them. I mean, it's, it's simple as that. It's, uh, we have pods. Like we, we go to like, uh, we use Vancouver, Toronto, Calgary, uh, Minnesota, Boston, New York, Chicago. And we kind of tell the guys where we're going to be. Um, and they come meet up with us or we say, Hey, we're available. And you know, we can go to them. No problem. Um, we come skate three, four days at a time, disappear, go back for the next three, four days at a time. But, um, we have, a we have a great portal that we use, which is like a, we call it, I call it a Facebook on steroids to my own words, but like every single guy that we work with is in this portal and we do their game video, every game they get, they get their, their feedback from us. And, um, you know, it's, it's a long season, but they get everything and we can kind of send them teaching videos throughout. We can send them drills, all that stuff just, you know, to work on things as we go along, but I can have direct communication with, with all these guys at any time, just through our portal. And, and it's, uh, you know, the guys, the guys love it, but just to see the guys and how much better they get over time is, is wild, right? Like it's unbelievable to see the growth in some of these players and you're looking for one, 2% better. Right. And I always tell my guys, I'm like, listen, imagine you can make one more play every game. So it's 82 more plays a year. How many more points can that be? Right. Jesus Christ. At that, at that rate, McDavid to have 300 points a season. Right. That's what, but that's, <laughs> he's a guy that thrives to do that. Like that's what he wants. Like that's, you know, and, and that's what makes it fun. You know, well, and it's that, just like the room for growth is, is there. Right. And you're always learning and we're always learning, right. We're learning from these guys. They're doing something and you're kind of figuring it out. And, and, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, so we try to, we cater to the client, obviously. Uh, they do a great job of getting out to us. And it just, it just, the relationship works really well, you know. They keep trying to get better, obviously. And that's, you know, you know, it's about, 
obviously they're at the highest level and, um, you know, being able to get a little bit better, you know, and evolve. And the biggest thing, like, you know, obviously in, in anything you do, when you get in trouble is when you think you have all the answers, right? right? That That's when you get yourself in trouble. So like, you know, obviously these guys are, are constantly looking for an edge, constantly looking to get better. And that's why they're, you know, they're the best in the world and they're in the NHL. So. Yeah. And that's what, you, you, you know, you have to work with that. And and our thing is we want to keep our players safe, right? And we, we do a ton of like everything we do is awareness of, and it's a, it's a joke. And Adam uses a lot. And we, but Tom Wilson's out there somewhere, Adam coached Tom. So they have a great relationship. We can say that, but like Tom's a, he's a plays the game hard. Right. So like, if you have your head down and you're coming down the wrong way, like he's going to hit you. That's the reality of our game. Mm -hmm. And there's guys out there that do it all the time. So our job is to make sure that we see everyone at every time and we're able to handle a puck and, and be around the play because we want our guys to play for 10 years, maximize your contract, maximize your career. If you can play longer, fantastic. But like, if you know where everyone is, you don't have to worry about getting hit. Very true. Very Always going to take a pump. You're always going to take a bump. Listen, it's a contact sport. So you get bumped on the boards, you get hit on the boards, all that stuff. But like you, there's a theme with the best players in the world and you use Patrick Kane, for example, but you can ask anyone, you'd be like, when was the last time you saw Patrick Kane get blown up? And probably say never. Yeah. Yeah. That's, true. Yeah. that's how fast he thinks the game. That's how cerebral he is. Right. Mm -hmm. Panarin, Cooch, like those are guys that they understand how far a guy has to travel to get to him. They understand where the, that person is on the ice. And that's what we help all of our players understand because we want you to be healthy for 82, mm -hmm. you know? Now, do you guys do a, a lot of like in-season work with the players or is it more off-season type stuff? So the, on the ice, on the ice is off-season, all-star break, Olympic break when there's Olympics. Um, but we work with them every day off the ice. So every day they're getting feedback, they're getting communication, they're being talked to it. And we're working within their team structure so like, we're not, you know, we're not going to take tools away from their game. We don't want them to play outside the way their coach wants them to play. You know, we want to make sure that they're just the, the intricacies of their game are getting better to make the players around them better, you know, including themselves. Right. Now, uh, here's a question for you. Of all the clientele that you have worked with, who surprised you the most with how quickly they were able to adapt the advice that you had for them? into their own game and show those results so quick? Uh, it's hard It's hard to say because a lot of it's like a lot of – obviously we have guys on the website, but a lot of guys are private. Um, I would say Teddy Bluger is a guy like that. Talking about low, We can talk about all the high-profile guys, but like a guy like Teddy Bluger in Pittsburgh um, who's really starting to make a name for himself in, in his NHL career and do some great things. And um, there's a local guy here in Boston that went from not having a lot of points last season to, you know, tripling his points this season. And, um, you know, those guys that just really adapt to, again, it's, it's just, there's so many guys that do it. There's the scales different, right? Like I, I, Connor McDavid is the best he's ever been. Right. And, and there's a reason because of it, but there's guys that are doing it at the same pace. They're just not going to get a hundred points, right. They're going to get 40, but there's. I think a lot of guys adapt to it really well. And, and there's so many different metrics to use by that. Cause I can go off straight points or I can go off plus minus, or I can go off. Hey, you played 15 minutes a game last year. You played 19 this year. Right. So like there's value to everything that, that all those little pieces and analytics you look at is valued all that. So there's a lot of guys that, that really, I think like if 
first person off the top of my head, Teddy. Been really good. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that. That's awesome. Just spanked uh, the Rangers last night. So yeah. yeah. It's wild. It's it's it playoff series. Everything's wild watching all these guys. It's just it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know? What 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 was the the science went behind Adam Oates starting this and, and you know the this this place development like what was his his mindset with with doing this? You know, I think he had a he obviously had a historic career for him, um, Hall of Famer, and he was coaching in the NHL and guys would come and ask for advice, and he was always working with guys as a coach. He always spent the extra time and worked with guys because if they were doing his thing is if they were doing something wrong, he wanted to fix it. He was a fixer, right? So he wouldn't just tell his defenseman, you need to break that puck out better. He would go physically show them how to break it out better, right? So he was always doing stuff like that. And then uh, one day, one of the guys said, hey, would you work with me? And he was like, yeah, sure. And that turned into his first client. And he's still playing now. He's still in the playoffs. And that client became four or five clients. And it kind of grew from there. But it was just that ability to to fix. And the thing about Adam is, is he's very convicted in his thoughts. Um, but he's got ammo. He he'll never come to you and be like, Hey, you need to do this. Okay. Why? Well, he'd give you seven different reasons why and he'd show you why and he'd teach you why. And that's kind of what makes it great. It's that there's no, there's no generic answer. There's no like, well, you should have done this because no, it's like, here's the reasons here's the video here's the validation you know, and, and what I think is it's easy to see a guy make a mistake, right. And see that mistake and go, Oh, he made a mistake. Okay. How many times does he make that same mistake? Right. So it could, we call it a one-off could be a one-off. Like Charlie McAvoy could do something and make you cringe and be like, Oh, I made a mistake, but like, all right, he made, makes it once every few months so it's a one-off right so it's like that's not part of his game it just just makes stakes happen but it's looking at these guys they all have habits right so it's identifying these habits and he's become the best at identifying why a guy can't do certain things why can't guys move certain ways and and why they're not able to i say it again do certain things right so it's that's what's enabled him to to be the best at what he does and I've, I've heard Adam talk about, you know, and be interviewed about this and like, it's just amazing. And obviously you don't have to, you know, you know, want to expect you to go into detail and spill all the, the, the secrets, but it's just like, it feels like everybody gets in, no matter who they are, they get individualized, customized attention to their specific game. So I, I just, you know, and, and guys, like you've heard some guys talk about it, just like, the results they see is just like, you know what I mean? The proof is in the pudding. And, um, you know, obviously it speaks volumes. I mean, it's grown so much, but it's just that individual customized attention that they get for their specific game and, and how, you know, and even to their specific role, like not every guy that is with you guys is like a first line, you know, right wing center or top pair D you got guys who are kind of, you know, that are, that are excelling in their individual roles. Like I look at a guy just the, just from seeing him play last night, a guy like Erica Branson. I mean, that guy. He's you know, he came in. He's he's had a he's had a nice career, but he's able he's been able to extend it because, you know, of uh, how he's been able to kind of evolve his game. Yeah, and he's he works with with us, and and uh, there's uh there's a guy there's a guy that uh, they just got knocked out of the they're out of the playoffs, but he he uh, he came to to Adam. And he was in playing in Utica 
and his career was over and he was able to understand what we do and learn about it and learn about his game and how he can play. And since that day, he's won two Stanley cups and he's just signed another two year deal with his team. And, you know, and, and those are guys that we want to elongate your career and there's ways to do it. And, and they're like, what's, what's understanding like these guys are already there. They're the, they're the less than one percenters, right? They're the best players in the world, but how do you stay there? Like you can be good, but like you need to continue to be good. And for us, it's keeping you sharp. And what we see in our game is that if you're not sharp all the time, that's when injuries happen, right? And, and that's what, and again, we talk about where these guys are the best in the world. So it's like you fall asleep for one shift and it could be a harmless shift, but you take a hit the wrong way or you do something the wrong way and you're out for months, right? And then how's your recovery from there, especially as you get older, right? So it's like, yeah, it's, we, we want to make sure that we get the best out of each player and each guy has a tailored plan. But again, a lot of it's all the same. For, a little bit's all the same for everyone, if that makes sense. And then each guy is going to have a little bit different piece tailored for them. Mm -hmm. Now I got to ask, does Adam Oates still use like the six inch blade no, on his stick still. that he had when he was playing? So oh, we are crazy. So we're stick fanatics, right? We talk about sticks and curves all the time um, for our guys. Uh, what happened was he got in a fight and he tore the ligaments and I don't know if it was bottom or his top hand. So he tore all the ligaments in his hand. So he couldn't really feel the puck. So he cut his blade so he can feel the puck more. So it had really nothing to do with like, I just did this because I'm doing this and it's going to make mm -hmm. me a better hockey player. That's the only way you could feel the puck. Like he, when it got to a certain point of his stick, his tendons were so mangled that he couldn't feel the rest of the puck on his blade. So he's like, well, if Jesus. I don't have it, maybe I can feel it. Jesus. And then he ended up being wow. one of the, the, best, the best puck features ever in the league. <laughs> yep. that's, that's awesome. That, that's awesome. No, that, I mean, just like hearing about, you know, how you guys approach every day with these, like you said, these guys that are the best in the world at what they do. You know, it, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, so, I mean, that, that's just great. So, yeah, it's been fun. Very fortunate. I was just super fortunate. Like I, I love the game and it's made me love the game more and, you know, pushes me to limits. I've never thought I would think about and, and be in positions I would think about. And there's, there's no more, like there's, there's not a bigger shot in the arm to like get on the ice with one of these guys and just being like, it's still humbling. Like you're like, Holy shit, I'm on the ice with X player, you know? And it's yeah. like, a, yeah, they're just like us. Right. But at the same time, it's like so cool. Yeah. And they, it's, you know, like you said, they're, they're all humans, you know, but at the same time, like, holy shit, I'm on the ice with a guy that I just watched score a hat trick the other night. Yeah. It, it's, it's at, at the same time, I'm on the ice with a guy that's 12 years younger than me who just scored four goals in the NHL. Oh, by the way, he's probably up for the Norris or the Vez or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, now, do you guys work with goalies at all? Or is it strictly no. just players? No, strictly just no players. goalies. Yeah. No goalies. No goalies. I don't. I couldn't tell you. Just stay in front of the puck. That's all I could tell you. <laughs> that's not about you. Yeah. I'm not a goalie. You're the goalie. You you know what to do. Right. So, but uh, that's, that's awesome. No, absolutely awesome. awesome. Just you know, you and it all goes back to two. You just you wanted to give give back. You know, you you started back into you know volunteering and helping out, and, and now you've parlayed it to a career where you get up every day and you're like, I fucking love going to work. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, kind of a dream come true for sure. And then, uh, 
just like any job, it's you get stressed, like stressful, and you're working with this caliber of players. You want to make sure that everything's right. But at the end, you get to like shut down your computer or, or get off the ice and just being like, yes, yes, like you know, someone just got better, mm-hmm. right? And I feel it off when I get off the ice. I feel like I've gotten better as a as a coach because we it's te- I don't even call it we teach. It's consistently teaching these guys, right? And it's teaching yourself and watching watching the game and. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool and it's pretty humbling and forever grateful for where I am today, for sure. That's an amazing uh, story. It is, and I mean, as a fellow coach, you know, I, I've been coaching now. This seems like my fourteenth or fifteenth year. I lost count, but you know, and, and I love it. And it's my favorite time of the year is when I get to coach. You know, over at Branchy High, it, you know, I coach at the JV level, but you know, it, and it's it's gratifying. You know, when you, at the end of the year you receive a text message from you know, three seniors that just graduated who I had for two years in the JV team text me and say, coach, I just want to let you know that I would not be where I am as a player or as a man, if it was not for you, yeah. you know? So to me, like, that's like, that's what my, that's what I love is I love it. Coaching. I love teaching the guy, you know, the guys that what I know of the game of hockey and to get those text messages, it, it's just beyond gratifying. And, that's what makes me want to go back every single year and continue to coach and continue to get better as a coach. You know, like last night I had my exit meetings a little, little late, you know, but I had my excuse. I had surgery. That's my excuse. You know, but at the end I say, you know, I say to the guys like, listen, these exit interviews are not just for me to give you feedback to take back the off season and get it to work. You right. need to tell me what I can do better as a coach, what you need me to do to help you. Like this is, you know, we're exit meeting each other here, you know, and, yeah. They they were honest, like coach. Listen, like maybe next year, you know, if I'm on your team, like can we switch up the drills or spend more time in the weight room or more film set? Absolutely, guys. This is the feedback that I need, you know. Yeah. But to get those text messages saying, "Hey, coach, you know, for the two years I was with you, I would not be going to play at Willis Northampton if it was not for you," you know, yeah. and it, it's it's so gratifying to get that, and that that's what I love. And I tell my wife all the time, if I could get paid a full time job salary and pay our mortgage and pay our bills involving with hockey, sign me up. Right. Yeah. Sign me up right now. You know, it, it really is it's nothing better. No, the gratification is where it's at. And, and you know what? It's everyone wants to work with the pros. Right. And, and that's like a, but the, it all starts like there's nothing more gratifying than working with 12, 13, 14, 15, like those kids that, that really want it. Right. Mm-hmm. And they want to be better and they want to be dialed in because that's where it starts. Like everyone, when, when people, if my advice are people that want to jump into this business or people that are in like the development phases, they just want to work with elite players. No, it doesn't work that way. Like you got to make the players elite. So it starts mm-hmm. somewhere, right? So you got to help get these 12 year olds and 13 year olds to understand the game better and, and be a part of it. Let them become elite. So now you start to build your brand and build yourself up and do it right and do it the right way. And, and it just kind of, kind of go by that and just, just see what happens from there. It's the best way to be. And uh, yeah, as we move toward the end of this episode, we've got to ask you, what's something that you would want the general hockey public to know that unless we heard it from you, we'd have no idea. It could be something behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, anything at all. Wow. That's the, that's probably the best question I've, I've heard. Um, <laughs> the digger, that's the best question bell. I've heard. That's something. We have a winner. I, um, no, there's, it's not a secret. It's really no, there's no secret, but if you're good enough, they'll find you. That's the hockey world right there. Don't chase, don't chase to be on a team to be, 
the best to be the 15th guy on the stack team just mm -hmm. go play hockey i would love playing on like i told my dad's growing up like my dad's my dad growing up that you want to be on this team no, this team's fine why well i'll have the puck more we stink you know what i mean like that's like but just it's even now today like if, if you're a, if you're in a as long as you can play the game like doesn't matter where you play just go play it that's it have fun yeah. doing it don't chase don't chase the dream of being on an undefeated team or a stack team or or whatever enjoy the game for what it is right and the game will be good to you if you're good to it absolutely like that's you great. said the most thing is just have, have as much fun as possible yep you know that that's what i tell all the guys i coach you know i've coached from the might level up to the high school level you know i'd love to get into the college level at some point in my career and I always tell them the most important thing is just go and have as much fun as possible. Right. Agreed. You know, winning and losing happens. It's part of the game, but the, the fun, the happiness, the, the, you know, camaraderie, the brotherhood that you build, those memories are going to last forever. And that's what you're going to look back on and tell stories about. You're not going to tell a story about all the time. Fucking John Lowsbury scored four goals against me at premium state when he was at USM. And no, <laughs> we're going to talk about how we dicked on each other on the bus ride home on how, you know, which, which puck bunny are you going to take home when you get back to campus? Yeah, <laughs> they have those. Uh, yeah. Oh, we had some. <laughs> we, you know, it's funny. Like I like even like the hockey culture, there's nothing like it. And I, you know, not that anyone really gives a shit, but just my example of my thing, I didn't learn how to skate till I was 34 years old. I played football my whole life. I've been playing hockey since I was 34. It's in men's leagues, but I met so many great people and uh, I met one of my good friends, you know him, Ben, Mark Consiglio, and I met my wife through through Mark and through his wife. So it's just like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it just the hockey community is so great. Like, I just the only thing I regret is I wish I didn't play start playing hockey when I was three years old. But yeah. you know, it's it's a great it's a great culture, and it and it does a lot of good for a lot of people. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And if you didn't start skating when you did, whoever would have high stuck me the way you did, bro. I'm sorry about that. Dude. It's all good. I, it was like the fourth time out there in his defense. I was out there maybe my sixth time. So we were pretty level. Don't worry about that. Ben, we're not here to talk about the past, right? Uh, <laughs> those were the good old days. Mike McGuire over here. There you go. My illicit career. Let me oh, tell you great. something, bro. Yeah, that that's is great. great. I love it. John, thank so. you so much for joining us yes. here on Causeway yeah. Kings. And as always, we like to tell everybody uh, how they can get in touch with you, and especially if folks are looking for those private lessons and more critique, like you said. How can folks get a hold of you, and where can they find more information about what you have going on? Yeah, just uh, John at J-O-N at OatsSportsGroup.com uh, and check us out at OatsSportsGroup.com. And I think I'm on the Twittersverse. I'm, I'm more active on Twitter than any other social venue, so it's at – I don't know what it is at John Lons at Jay Lonsbury 11 at Lonsbury 11. I don't know. It'll be you posted in the comments. Don't one. worry. I know a lot John of it. Lonsbury at know. Jay Lonsbury 11. That's what it is. There you go. So <laughs> there it is. There it Check is. Awesome. Well, John, yeah. we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and all of our listeners here across the WMEX sports podcast network. And certainly from the South shore to the North shore to all of our listeners shores, we appreciate you here tonight, and thank you very much thanks, once again. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Really. Before we let you go, I I, I got to get your pick on who's taking the cup home. Oof. I need your pick. Uh, I know. I know you worked with the Panthers. No, I know, no, 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 know. no. I got. I got. In my mind, I got Colorado. A Colorado and Tampa in the finals. Ooh, Ooh I like it. That's gonna be a I fight. Like it. That's for sure. <laughs> that 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 would be one hell of a series. Yeah. Yeah. 
and riding yeah, a, a not, possible not three-peat. Lie. After the, uh, the performance the Bruins put on, I've pretty much just lost faith. Yeah, that's right. We'll yeah. see what happens on Thursday. Exactly. Right. Awesome, on. guys. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And, Thanks, of course, John. folks, Appreciate as always, it. hopefully, let's go bees here on the Causeway Kings.